We had a collaboration with some Chinese com uh, Chinese uh, scientists. Here we have a vaccine. What is the problem? Get over it. What we are very proud of now is that we penetrate the cabinets. Seriously, I'm, I'm making a serious point. I don't know what half of them are protesting against. We've still got Fauci walking around free. The man should be in irons in the darkest pit. As much as he touts that he cares about it, he doesn't. This is our revolution. It's not theirs. Don't let them take it from you. Don't let them convince you that it's their revolution when in fact it's not. It's ours. And we will have it. It is Friday, the fourth day of March, the year of our Lord, 2022. I am Johnny Anderson alongside Bruce Adams. Bruce, it's good to see you today. How are you? I'm healthy, alive, uh, doing well. Uh, glad not to be in Ukraine. Yeah, I, th I think all of us are, are glad not to be over there right now. But hey, um, it, according to, uh, I think, every single media pundit and, uh, and left-wing politician, you should get on a plane and, and go there and, and fight the war effort and, and help them, right? That's what you should do. I mean, they seem to support the the Soviet cause, uh, the communist cause. So, yeah, why don't you go join the Russians? My, how the tables have turned, huh? Yeah, the people oh, yeah. that used to support the old Soviet Union are now the ones that are fighting against it. That's really funny. That's too rich. Bruce, I know you're a cat owner, and so am I, but I know that I don't have one. Do you own a, a, a Siberian cat? By chance? Uh, no, I don't actually. No, uh, I, I think they're a little, little expensive to get a purebred. Uh, they're very expensive, yes. The, but they're they're yeah. they're very good looking cats, I have to say. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's good that you actually don't have one of those because you would actually fall under the guidelines of of sanctions today because they have literally sanctioned people that own Siberian cats. I'm not. I'm not even I'm not even talking about Russians that own Siberian cats. They're sanctioning the cats as in they're sanctioning you from going to an event to show your cat if you have one of these cats. That's how insane this has become. We're, we're banning everything. I mean, everything. If it has to do with anything involving Russia, it doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, there's uh, there's something else today that uh, there's something else that just dropped out of the Department of Justice from the U.S. Attorney's Office. We'll get to that in a second. But I don't want to gloss over this cat thing because it's just so damn stupid. It's so stupid. The International Cat Federation, I didn't even know there was such a thing, has banned all Russian-owned cats, excuse me, all Russian-owned and bred cats from competing in international competitions. You, you, would, you would think that this would be a Babylon Bee story or something out of the onion or something, but it's not. The Federation of International Felines. <laughs> Did you even know there was such a thing? The, the Federation no. of International Felines? <laughs> no. They, even as a issue... cat owner and someone that enjoys cats, I, I had no clue there was something like that. Me either. No clue. Not a clue. I mean, I've heard of like the dog shows. You know what I mean? The sure. the, the dog sure. shows, you know, the uh, I can't think of the name of it, but the, the big dog show that they always put on TV every year, right? The one where they, they show the prize poodles or whatever it is. Okay, fine. I didn't, know, I didn't know that there was a, uh, an equivalent with cats. I didn't know that. The uh, the International Fed, excuse me, the Federation of International Felines, or FIFA, not FIFA, you know, the football thing, but FIFA, uh, they issued a statement today saying that they cannot just witness these atrocities and do nothing. <laughs> so they have to ban Siberian cats. The Federation what about, has... What, what about Russian blues? What? What about the Russian blue cat? There's a Russian blue it's, cat? Uh, yeah, they're, they're kind of the grayish color. Um, nice, shorter, I don't know, shorter, medium hair somewhere in there. Usually it, a solid is color. Is it that one? Is it that one? No. No? No. It's a, it's a solid color. Yeah. 
solid gray. Okay, all right. Well, I, I don't know. I ha they haven't mentioned that, but uh, I'm sure. Well, I'm sure if it's Russian, they'll get to it. The Federation has decided that no cat bred in Russia may be imported and registered in any uh, Federation of International Felines pedigree book outside of Russia. No cat belonging belonging to exhibitors living in Russia may be entered at any event outside of Russia. The ban will apply until at least the end of May. Oh yeah, That's those. A, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, those. Those are those are good looking cats. They are, yeah. No, they they don't uh, they don't mention that. Uh, they don't mention that here. Uh, the ban will apply uh, until the end of May and will punish popular breeds such as the well, hey, the Russian Blue. Yeah, the Russian Blue, the Peter Bald. Don't know that one. And the Siberian Cat, which can cost up to oh my god, are they that expensive? Four thousand dollars for one of those cats? Are you kidding me? Four grand for a cat? I mean, I knew that that purebred dogs and, you know, prize breed dogs and all that stuff. I know that those things go for thousands of dollars, but cats? I never knew that. I, I knew, like, I don't know, the, some, like the, the Peter Bold, uh, I could see that one being expensive. That's the, one of the hairless ones. But, okay, to be honest, every single cat we've owned has been free because it's usually been a feral cat that's had kittens. We usually take the kittens in or the rescues or, you know, something like that. So... All of the cats that we've ever owned have been free. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. No, I understand. I, I understand that. Anyway, okay, yeah. So don't uh, got moral of the story. Don't get a a Russian cat. Don't don't get a Russian cat because apparently that's that's pro Putin now. Now, if that wasn't so crazy stupid. enough, it, it is stupid. It, it is stupid. It's it's ridiculous. It it just shows the insanity of these morons. You know, I was I was listening this morning to an interview of an ex CIA guy. Take that for what you will, right? Ex CIA guy, because I know we were talking about the intelligence community yesterday and their lack of intelligence for some of their members. Not not all of them. I mean, you do have some good people in there, but they're few and far between. Yeah. But this guy who spent his career uh, in, in the CIA, he was asked the question point blank by the interviewer. He said, what do you make of the actions of, of these uh, these people in, in politics that are throwing all these sanctions around uh, and, and getting involved with all this, this uh, international conflict with Russia on the Ukraine thing? And he says, I wish that I had, and he was very frank. He says, I wish that I had a more cordial way of putting it, but they're just stupid. The, these people that are in these these political offices and in these positions of so-called power, they're just stupid. And I feel so much better now when I sit up here and I criticize the intelligence level of these people as being that of a bottle of water. They're just stupid. That's all there is to it. And if you don't agree with that, maybe you'll agree with this. A TV producer for a Russian oligarch and an ex-Fox News director has been charged with violating Crimea-related sanctions. Now, mind you, this is a U.S. citizen. Jack Hannock is a United States citizen, and he's one of Sean Hannity's former directors at Fox News. He's charged with violations of the United States sanctions and false statements in connection with his years-long work for the sanctioned Russian oligarch Konstantin Malofayev. That's the best I'm going to be able to do with that one. Pursuant to the request of the United States, Hennig was provisionally arrested on February 3rd of 2022 in London. Uh, and he's also in the process of being extradited. United States Attorney Damian Williams, who was appointed by Chuck Schumer, by the way, thank you for that, Bruce, said in a statement, Konstantin Malofayev is closely tied to Russian aggression in Ukraine. 
having been determined by the OFAC to have been one of the main sources of financing for the promotion of Russian-aligned separatist groups operating in the sovereign nation of Ukraine, United States sanctions on Malofayev prohibit United States citizens from working for or doing business with Malofayev, but as alleged, Hannig violated those sanctions by working directly for Malofayev on multiple television projects over the course of several years. The indictment unsealed today shows this office shows this office's commitment to the enforcement of laws intended to hamstring those who would use their wealth to undermine fu- the fundamental democratic processes. This office will continue to be a leader in the Justice Department's work to hold accountable actors who would support flagrant and unjustified acts of war. D- does this does this alarm you? As a listener, d- does that alarm you in any way, shape, or form? Bruce, does that alarm you? Yeah, I'm I'm scratching my head trying to figure out where Congress, where the government thinks they get the power to arrest American citizens for no breach of law whatsoever over violations of sanctions. On someone else. Um, on someone else, yeah. Nothing's coming to mind that says they, they have the power and authority to go in and arrest you for sanctions. Uh, the the thing is, is even if they, I, I don't even think they have power to to put sanctions on American citizens, let alone arresting someone for sanctions on someone else. That makes no sense whatsoever. That's ridiculous. As an American that is, citizen, that, that no, it just doesn't work. Again, you you could be hired to work on a project for something and have no idea that somebody's involved with that project, and now you're arrested and charged with that because there's sanctions on someone else. We've lost our damn minds. We've lost our minds. I thought it was bad with COVID about losing our minds. But I'm inclined to agree with the ex-CIA officer that I was listening to this morning. These people are just stupid. And the Justice Department, oh, you haven't pulled very many favors with me over the last few years. I can assure you of that. Even before COVID. The U.S. Attorney's Office, that's a sewer pipe that needs to be flushed out. The entire DOJ, for that matter, is a sewage pit that needs to be flushed out. Drain the swamp. It starts there. And we can move on from there. Where does it stop? Where, where does it stop? We're going to talk about a lot of these sanctions today. And we're going to talk about what we believe is going on with these, quote, separatist groups inside Ukraine. This goes all the way back to the Obama administration, by the way. That's where it started, nearest we could tell. Anyway, moving on from that, that's just, my God, my God, where, where are we Where are we going? Are we all for, oh yeah, rah, rah, yeah, let's, let's, let's go against the, the you know, the, let's go against this side or let's go against that side. No, they need you on a side. They're putting you in a position now where you're looking at something that you can't deny. It's something you can see. See, COVID, you couldn't see it. They had to convince you of that. They had to convince you of something that you couldn't see. Beware of everybody, right? Turn against your neighbor. Turn against your own family. Don't visit your own grandmother. Don't visit your your families in the care homes or the hospitals. They had to convince you of that. That didn't work. You saw through it. Now they've thrown an actual kinetic war in front of you, something that you know, something that we know Historically, see, as human beings, we're inherently designed to fight a war physically, as in a a physical conflict with someone else in a different uniform coming at us. That's what we're inherently designed to do. They tried to do it with the psychological front with COVID. Didn't work. Too many people saw through it. It's starting to come apart at the seams, as we talked about yesterday with the numbers that are now coming out that they can't hide anymore. The Pfizer dumps are coming out today, by the way. The first batch is available for download for anyone that wants to see it. So now it's a kinetic war. But how far are we going with the sanctions? We're sanctioning everything. I mean, absolutely everything. Coca-Cola has announced today they will cease all operations in Russia, all of them, and sales as well. Apple has said the same thing. Apple says that they're going to shut down their sales of products in Russia. No more iPhones. 
I, I think that's what, what did you say that was? It was 20% of the mar over 20% of the market share. Yeah. Same it thing was, with uh, tw I, I want to say it was like 23 was, uh, Apple or something like that. Uh -huh. 30 some biggest was is, Android. Big, yeah. Biggest is, is like Samsung and Xiaomi and a couple others, but Coca-Cola has shut down. You also said that Coca-Cola has had like what, 35% of the market share. I, I don't know the exact percentage. I do know that they're the, uh, like non-alcoholic beverages. Coca-Cola is top of the list. Uh, oh yeah, for Russia. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Coca Cola was wanting to get in there for for years uh, when the Soviet Union was going. Oh, they were they were frothing at the mouth to get into that marketplace. But now Apple has shut down the sale of all new products. So no new iPhones, no new iPods, MacBooks, Apple TVs, any product that they sell, Apple watches, any of that stuff. Nope, nope, no more of that. You're 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 cut off now from that. Uh, now, if that's not enough, current customers of Apple services now they're going to start restricting your access to certain apps in their app store. That's how far they're going with it. Extrapolate this out a bit. And let's look into the future after this war is settled. And they've tested all of their tools and toys to see who, uh, who they can restrict, how they can restrict, how they can enact control. And let's take this into the future a little bit. What if they just start using this because you don't agree with the right agenda? That's where it's Or going. you don't subscribe to you know, uh, a certain, um, for example, you don't go and get vaccinated, um, whatever the case is. Uh, who's to say they won't use the same tactics they're using against the Russians on you? Because you're clearly, clearly, if you go and protest the government, clearly you're the equivalent of a, a January 6th insurrectionist. Violent so insurrectionist, we have to yeah. cut you off. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you're a terrorist. To, you're a domestic we terrorist. Have to, we have to confiscate your bank account. We have to confiscate your truck. And we have to sell it off and we're going to keep the cash. Canada. They're doing this to the oligarchs as well. Uh, I, I get it. Yeah. Oligarchs, bad. Russia, bad. Blah, blah, blah. I get that. We have but oligarchs. To go in. Yeah, we, we do as well. But to go in and confiscate uh, the oligarchs property for no legal wrongdoing and just confiscate it. I, I'm sorry. What? No, there's the there's a legal process. The Germans seized an $800 million yacht yesterday in Hamburg from a Russian oligarch just because he has sanctions on him. If and, you, like that, that, that makes that makes no sense. So the Russian oligarchs, yes, though, they've done uh, they've probably done some kind of crime or something or another. Can you point to a CEO of a large corporation here in the U.S.? That hasn't done some large crime or some of the. I mean, how many have we seen here lately that's been a pedophile or uh, has been involved in something like Epstein or has been involved with some kind of money laundering or been it? It's the same kind of BS here. The only difference is you don't have them doing things like uh, gun running or at least that we know of. We, we don't have anything like that going come on. Come on, Bruce. An oligarch you, not doing gun running. Come on. Well, <laughs> come on. I, I, I actually, now that I say that, I think back and uh, look at Fast and Furious uh, under Obama. We'll talk about gun oligarch smuggling. gun running. Yeah, we'll talk about oligarch gun running today in Ukraine. We'll talk about some of that. But you know what? You you bring up an, a very interesting point there. Number four guy at Facebook, the guy that was the uh, the Meta community manager, just busted for uh, for trying to get a a meet together for like a thirteen year old boy or something. Oh, it's disgusting. Yeah, disgusting. Yeah. Bruce and I we watched the video. I'm not playing it here. I'm just not doing it because no. it's that disgusting. Yeah. I'm not doing it. I refuse. Yeah. I'm not doing it. It would take a lot of editing as well. There's the police a, interview. Oh, yeah. Language. yeah. I'm not. Yeah, I'm, I'm just I'm not doing it. And, and that was the police 
reading back what he was saying to the supposed whatever. It was a sting yeah. operation. But yeah. Yeah. And he's sitting there admitting to the whole thing. It's 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 disturbing, to say the least. But on that point, Melinda Gates, you found something on Melinda Gates today. Let's just talk about that for just a minute, because, I mean, we're talking about criminals, right? <laughs> and oligarchs. Bill Gates is, well, he's a, he's not an oligarch. He's a philanthropist, right? He's a philanthropist, just like George Soros. He's not. George Soros is not an oligarch. He's a philanthropist. <laughs> right. He's, that's what he is. All right. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. And there's no way that these people could be involved in any kind of shady deals or criminal activity or anything like that. These are straight shooters, right? That's what they've always been. Melinda Gates has started to talk about her ex-husband, Bill, hasn't she? What's she talking about? Well, she's come out here lately and has been saying things like in regards to Epstein and uh, Bill Gates meeting Epstein. Well, he's dead. Uh, uh, right, right. Um, <laughs> she uh, she was saying that she regretted meeting him immediately. Uh, he was abhorrent, evil personified. She had nightmares about it afterwards. Then Bill continued to meet with um, uh, Epstein, even after she made clear to him what she felt, how she felt about Epstein. And Bill... Well, he did say it was a, a big mistake and blah, blah, blah. But she's been basically saying that he's probably had an affair multiple times now, she believes, uh, during the 27 years that they were married. So um, she, she's basically just saying that uh, he did get involved with Epstein and he probably did have some kind of relation with a, a minor. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. She didn't, she didn't bluntly say it, but you were involved with Epstein and that's what Epstein was done for. Mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe kind of, yeah, it's maybe she's test yeah maybe she's testing the waters maybe that's her way of testing the waters she goes all the way to the edge without going public and may maybe that's maybe that's just that little bit of leverage she's got left I I'm not sure but that's she if she's talking publicly like that then that means there's probably more coming at some point down the road yeah um and supposedly as well he had an affair with someone that worked at Microsoft back in 2000 I did hear that supposedly yeah I I did hear that yeah. yes. And and he, I believe he had, did he admit to that? I, he did. I, he admitted okay. to that affair. Yeah. But here's the thing. If the dude is willing to do one affair, it's no stretch to say he's not willing to do another or multiple when he has an attractive young woman available to him. Uh, no, clear, clearly, Bruce. See, she was just a Gates groupie. That's all she was. Uh -huh. And honestly, to be fair, nothing against Melinda, but yeah, you, you had money, yeah. Bill. You could have done better. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, Apple has taken a strong stance uh, back back to the Apple thing. Apple's taken a strong stance uh, against Russia following the invasion of Ukraine, banning its payment service. So you can't even use Apple Pay in Russia anymore in the entire country after the U.S. sanctioned Russian banks. And they've started restricting apps of Russian state media, Russia Today and Sputnik. The news apps will only be viewable in Russia, according to a company spokesman. You can still watch if you're here in the West, you can still watch RT. I will give this out because they've made it. They've made it public. You can still watch RT News if you're interested on Rumble. They're keeping it there. Rumble's an independent platform with their own servers. They're not beholden to Amazon Web Services or anything like, anything like that. Same thing with, um, I believe, Gab, uh, Andrew Torba. They're going to keep their um, 
uh, their their new site up over there on Gab and a couple other places. They said that they will not be taking part in the sanctions against uh, Russia because they're a platform. And if they're going to live up to their name and continue to call themselves a platform, then they have to welcome all sides of all opinions. And that's fair. That's fair. Because I'm starting to wonder. That's that's the way it should be, by the way. That's the way it should be. You, yeah. you shouldn't you shouldn't be censoring because as a the, platform status, you don't censor. That's correct. No, you're absolutely right. And they're shutting down RT. Now, I'm not saying I agree with it. I'm just saying that's another point of view. That's all. Nothing more. Just like CNN. That's another point of view. I don't agree with a damn thing. It's on CNN, but I still watch it from time to time because, well, we have to, to see what they're saying, to look at their, to look at their point of view. As twisted as it might be, we still have to watch it. Same thing with MSNBC. I got a clip of Hillary Clinton on, uh, uh, on MSNBC with Rachel Maddow. We had to sit through that and, and stomach that. We had to turn it off after a minute because we just couldn't handle it anymore. We get Chinese state media. That's fine, right? That's okay. We're not sanctioning China. All these sanctions, you want to throw sanctions on somebody, all these sta- all these sanctions should have been on China three years ago when COVID started. But we couldn't do that, right? Because that would upset the apple cart. That would shut down too many business deals that these sellout elites that are incompetent have made. So we can't have any of those sanctions. But we can sanction Putin for doing this, not endorsing what he did. But I mean, I'm sorry, you you have one country that's literally collapsed the world economy here, has literally waged biological and economical warfare on us from the people that are supposedly running our establishments that are in business with them. And there's no sanctions, not a single sanctions put on there. Not a single news story is even made about it. But oh no, we have to ban Russian cats. Now, I don't endorse, again, I have to sit here and justify this. It's ridiculous. I don't endorse what Putin has done. He broke international law. That's on him. I've said that four days now. But the sanctions are just getting a little bit ridiculous. Just a little bit ridiculous to this point. EA, the video game developer EA, Electronic Arts, they're removing Russian teams from their sports games. That's how ridiculous this has gotten. We're, we're ba- I, I don't even I don't even know what to say. We're banning uh, Russian films at film festivals uh, in solidarity. I just uh, Visa and Mastercard are blocking uh, Russian financial institutions from accessing payments uh, on their networks in compliance with the with the sanctions. I mean, these are all of these companies. These are all companies that are on board with the ESGs coming out of the World Economic Forum. All of them. It's not the governments doing this. It's the corporations and Klaus Schwab at the World Economic Forum. They're the ones doing this. The governments are too damn stupid to be able to coordinate something like this. They couldn't get the COVID stuff right. They screwed that up. Now you're going for them. So the corporations and the World Economic Forum have stepped up and said, we'll take control of the next crisis because you can't manage that one for yourself. That's what I really think is going on. So while all this is going on, didn't you say yesterday, Bruce, that Moldova was going to be the next one? You said that uh, Lavrov let it slip. Sergei Lavrov, the Russian foreign minister, he let it slip. Uh, he, he accidentally showed a map showing that they were mounting a, a front over there and they were ready to possibly uh, push into Moldova. That was the rumor. Yeah. Um, the, there was um, on state on his state run media there. Um, he was showing the map or battle plan or whatever. And the um, uh, red was where uh, Russian forces were and where attacks were going to be. And there was a, a line of red in Moldova on the uh, Moldovan side, not on the Ukraine side. And it was the, the way they, they were doing the map. It looked like it was uh, coming from Odessa and, and moving into 
the way it was done. So it looked like they might have uh, accidentally revealed that. Um, I, I don't know, though, at the same time, the, the sources that came from are, are not exactly reliable because it's not that was noticed by the average person, if you will, not by intelligence or any of those kind of things. So it was just one instance of information. So, you know, I, I kind of true, I kind may of, not be. Yeah, I kind of have think that I keep thinking about what we discussed yesterday. The uh, the, the U.S. biolabs foreign minister of Russia, Sergei Lavrov, said today that the Pentagon is concerned. Now, I, I don't know whether they are or not, but I'm just working this in my head. The Pentagon is concerned that they're going to lose control over U.S. bio labs and chemical weapons labs in Ukraine. Okay, why would he make a statement like that? Why, why would the Russian foreign minister make a statement like that? At the same time, the sanctions that these morons are throwing around here and we're shutting down all of the uh, the Russian points of view, all the Russian uh, media and all that stuff. We're shutting all that down. So you can't see that. I don't even think before all this, you you even really had access to uh, to Russian news in America, really. I think a lot of that was, was cut off even prior to all this. But it got me thinking, if all of that was a, was a conspiracy theory, right, just for the sake of argument, if all that was, was just crazy talk and the media is being shut down so you can't see it, what if, and, and again, I'm just, I'm just saying what if, what if they do come across U.S. bio labs and chemical uh, warfare labs in Ukraine and they parade it all over Russian, so, or Russian media, Russian social media and all the rest of it? You're not going to see it, are you? That would make these, um, whatever these, these people are, these, um, these, these jokes that we have running us, it would make them look like the guilty criminals that they actually are, wouldn't it? Again, that's just one man's opinion. Moldova along with the country of Georgia and Ukraine from a couple of days ago, they've all petitioned to join the European Union as of this morning. You know, I kind of I kind of get the uh, the lead up to World War II feeling here as somebody that's that studied the events leading up to World War II and in in a very real sense, possibly a little bit of World War One as well, because World War One wasn't actually called World War One. It was well, I'll tell you what it was. It was a bunch of old men that couldn't keep their egos in check. Does that sound about like what we're dealing with now? Just a bunch of crazy old people that just can't keep their, their egos in check? That sounds exactly like what it is. That's what led to millions of people dying in World War I needlessly. That was a war that had no purpose, just like this one. It's a war that has no purpose. Nobody wins in this. Nobody. Whether it stays in Ukraine or breaks out from there, nobody wins. You know, uh, just real quick, a little thought experiment for those that haven't really thought about this. If you were to take all the casualties of World War One and World War II combined, uh, the number of people we would have on this planet right now uh, is much, much higher. If you were to extrapolate out and say each one of those individuals that were killed uh, were to have had, I don't know, to whatever the average was. So we'll say we'll say three kids because the average has changed over the years. You're, you're talking about millions more people on the planet and potentially uh, the entire landscape would look different politically, uh, technologically. We may be further along technologically than we currently are, but because of politics, but because of governments and banks um, and banks. Yeah, we go to war and the average person is the one that suffers the quote unquote little people. We're the ones that go out and die. We're the ones that fight their wars. The elite, they don't get any kind of repercussions. They, they continue living on generation after generation, you know, their wealth being transferred to each generation. And it's just it's the same kind of BS each time. And they're trying to do it again. Look at um, Schwab. Schwab didn't earn a dime. One. 
I don't think Schwab's probably, I, I don't think Schwab's ever worked a day in his life. He went to university, did nothing. Usually those types, when they go to the universities like that and they end up becoming a professor, they become academic bums. That's what they are. Schwab's an academic bum. That's what he is. If he didn't marry into Rothschild money, he'd be nothing. He'd be nothing. He'd be some failed university professor somewhere, sitting in an office somewhere with stacks of papers, trying to sell books. That's what he would be. But instead, he's got some crackpot theory that he's got some family inherited money that's behind him. That's it. And oh, he's revered. He's a joke. He's a joke. Do you know what he is? He's a common thief. That's all he is. He's a thief. When he sits down and he says, oh, we're going to uh, do this with this bu- this business. We're going to get all the shareholders together and we're going to cut the shareholders out and we're going to call it stakeholders because we in the business world, sir, you've never been in the business world. You have no idea what it means to start a small business. None. Oh, but he doesn't take it. Oh, no, no. He, he does. Yeah, he knows how because he was a, he, he knows how to start a business because he he created a foundation, uh, a, a uh, money laundering organization. So he yeah. knows he knows how to create yeah. a business. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what? I was told once by a university professor from a very prominent university in the United States. I'll just leave it at that. And I asked the question to him at one point was, what's the key to understanding what fuels these insane people in the governments and in these establishments? And the answer was very simple. He said, if you want to understand that, then you need to look very closely at the connections between the universities, the political class, the banks, and the tax-exempt foundations. If you can put all that together, then you can understand what's really going on. And all these people that we're dealing with fall within that criteria, don't they? All of them. So moving right along, Moldova. Yeah, you got something you want to say on that? Uh, I just with Moldova, I think that's going to be the next target after Ukraine. Personally, yeah. Um, I, well, possibly the Baltic states, Latvia, Lithuania. You know the, those those countries. Yeah, Estonia. Yeah, yeah. It depends on it depends on how this war goes with Ukraine. But uh, we've kind of said it before. The, what's going on in Ukraine? Um, if you look at the vehicles that are destroyed uh, there, the the Russian vehicles, um, they're not the new high tech stuff. This this is all the old Soviet era, you know, eighties era stuff. It's not the new stuff. So I I, I feel like uh, the the stories, the, the the impression I'm getting is the stories we're we're hearing about how these Russian soldiers are. are you know, destroying their equipment and and bailing and and you know surrendering to the Ukrainians and all of that. Um, if you dig into those stories, uh, those were conscripts. Um, they didn't even want to be there to begin with. They weren't Russian soldiers. And some of the other ones that were captured were uh, literally green. They literally just got out of boot camp. Like they're 18, 20 years old. You know, I'm 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 concerned, Bruce. To be honest with you, when we when we look deeper at that um, that situation in Ukraine, I, I I get to be concerned. And the reason I that I'm concerned is, it, well, there could be something more that comes out of this. Um, and on that point, I was reaffirmed that position today by the World Health Organization when they released a statement just about an hour ago, and they said that war in Ukraine will increase COVID transmission and it will put large numbers of people at risk for severe disease. I think the WHO is a severe disease. Infectious disease, I'm just, I'm quoting here. Infectious, I agree with you, by the way. Oh, uh, just a small, just a small thing. Their offices are in Geneva, the the World Health Organization. Their their offices are in Geneva. And guess where the Swiss people are today in mass? Standing out in front of that building at the front door. 
protesting the World Health Organization. Infectious, I'm quoting here, infectious diseases ruthlessly exploit the conditions created by war. That was said by Dr. Bruce Allward, who's the senior advisor at the WHO. Do you remember, Bruce, that's the, well, yeah, no, just a coincidence, I'm sure. That's the guy that said that if he had COVID, he would want to be hospitalized in China. That guy, do you remember that one? He was also the guy that hung oh, up yeah, yeah. on the, uh, uh, the the Skype call when he was uh-huh. asked about Taiwan. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Same guy. Wasn't he Canadian or something He's like Canadian, that? He's Canadian. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, yeah. Um, though the statement is accurate, war-torn areas are not really the most hygienic locations, and disease does tend to spread a little bit better there because well, see, Bruce, hygiene isn't we need- great. We need we what the, yeah you see the Germans they sent they sent cases of KN95 masks as the conflict started and I'm sure that there's there's plenty of hand sanitizer that's being that's being shipped in as well yeah yeah the 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 problem isn't the fact that you're breathing the problem is um uh, you know you you have things like sewage in the streets uh, at that point you have lots of rotting material and uh, it just it's not the best for sanitation purpose, you know, and all, all on top of, of that leads to COVID-19, of course, you're forgetting that. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Yes. Um, and also, uh, especially if you've been uh, jabbed, you're, you're more at risk. So you need to get I, that booster. I wonder. Yeah, I wonder mm-hmm. if if um, if everybody that's fighting over there, I wonder if they've all been vaccinated because, I mean, that that's that's important here. Yeah, yeah, that that that, in fact, is more important than them fighting that war. They should go out and get vaccinated. And well, then they can fight. Th- but that. then they can fight the war. Yeah. After they're right, all safe. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, ex- after the, the, the 15 minute wait period, you know, you, you have course. to do that just of in course. case, you, of course. you know. Yeah. Yeah. And then and then they can go out. Yeah. Obviously, we were being facetious in that. I don't know what to say about the WHO at this point. I mean, they're they're just a, a corrupt organization. We did see the infighting there for a bit where some were trying to stick to science and others were doing the political games. But at this t- at this point, this this is all just a political game. Let's talk about what's going on in there. You're hearing from the uh, from the the mainstream media and the, the the political class and all the rest of these idiots that are saying, "Oh, you've got to fight. You've got to uh, you got to get on planes and you got to get over there. And you've got uh, uh, freedom fighters uh, in Ukraine. Do you? Do you? Do you actually have freedom fighters in Ukraine? Like I said yesterday, we've got propaganda coming from all sides here. All sides. I know Putin is saying that uh, neo Nazis have taken over the country and whatever. You've got Zelensky saying, uh, "I'm a hero. I'm. I, we're we're going to fight to the end, and we're not giving up, and and whatever." Okay. And he's a hero because the mainstream media here is touting him as a hero. That raises red flags all over. When the mainstream media in the West from whatever country it's from, is touting someone as a hero, that's the cause for concern. Back during the Obama administration in America, there was a network that was set up in Ukraine. Everybody was banking on the fact that Hillary Clinton was going to get in office in the U.S. They set up an entire network because they were going to use Ukraine as a money laundering operation. You put in a quarter that's dirty, a dollar comes out that's clean. That's what it was. Kind of like what we did with Panama, same thing. The whole thing with Noriega, oh yeah, yeah, that's what that was all about too. We tried to do the same thing in Ukraine. A lot of corruption in there, a lot of people that can be bought off, a lot of oligarchs. Long story short, there was about, how how many billion dollars was it again at the time? Uh, I believe it was four. 
$4 billion, around $4 billion. We were trying to figure out at that time where that $4 billion went. There was a lot of money that was transferred to Ukraine. Do, do you remember the whole thing about Biden? You know, they were looking into the uh, uh, they were looking into his son and the uh, the Burisma gas deal. Do, do you remember that? Or he got the uh, he, he got the uh, the prosecutor fired for the billion dollars. Do you remember that? He was sitting on stage at the meeting for the Council on Foreign Relations, and he said this, then Vice President Joe Biden. Well, I, I, I was, not I, I, but it just happened to be, that was the assignment I got. I, I, I got all the good ones. Uh, and uh, so I got Ukraine. And uh, um, I remember going over convincing our team, our <coughs> others, to convincing us that we should be providing for loan guarantees. And I went over, I guess the... 12th, 13th time to Kiev, and uh, and I was going supposed to announce that there was another billion dollar loan guarantee, and I had gotten a commitment from Poroshenko and from uh, Yatsenyuk that they would take action against the state prosecutor, and they didn't. So they said they had they were walking out to the press conference, said, "No, nah, I said I'm not going to, or we're not going to give you the billion dollars." They said, you have no authority. You're not the president. The president said, I said, call him. <laughs> I said, I'm telling you, you're not getting a billion dollars. I said, you're not getting a billion. I'm going to be leaving here. And I think it was, what, six hours? I looked, I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> you got fired. Now, of course, President Joe Biden now says he never said that. No, that conversation never happened. He didn't ever say anything like that. No. No, he never said that. I, I don't think he understands the Internet. I don't think he does either. But my point is, is that you notice what he said there. He was set up with the team. Oh, there was a whole team that was set up on both sides. And he got the, the assignments because he got all the good ones, you see. He was put in charge of that assignment with Ukraine. He was to work the deals with Poroshenko. We've played the clips here before the, the transcripts of the phone calls between Biden and Poroshenko about the deals, about the money. And what did he just say? He was about, oh, I don't know, the 12th or 13th time he went over there. Well, there was another loan of about $4 billion that we could never figure out where it went. In all, $4 billion. Where, where do you have $4 billion that you can just hide? Where, where, where do you put that? Well, some of that money got laundered through a bank. We did see that, but that was fronted through a shell corporation. And then they ran that through a Ukrainian oligarch who also happened to be over the board of Burisma, which was the gas company that his son, Hunter, sat on the board of, who was making, was it 50 grand a month just for being involved? I think it was something like yeah, that. Yeah, he was, he was making a lot. Yeah. 50 grand a month. Boy, that's pretty good money. That's that's pretty good money, I have to say. 50,000 a month. Well, who was that Ukrainian oligarch that was involved with that gas company? Which, by the way, this is long before the days of Nord Stream 2. Nord Stream 2 was just being put together at that point. They were just on the drawing board with it. The main company that owns the pipeline that delivered the oil into the heart of Europe from Russia ran through Ukraine from the company Burisma. And who owned that company? Who was part owner of that company? Who was over the board in that company? It was a Ukrainian oligarch by the name of Ihor Kolomoisky. Who's he? Let's just go over his bio, shall we? Ihor Kolomoisky. He's a billionaire businessman and the former governor of uh, Denny Petropetrovsk Oblast. Okay, okay, that's tough. He is rated as the second or third richest person in Ukraine. Huh. In March 2015, The Economist listed his net worth as $1.36 billion. Kolomoisky is the leading partner of the Privat Group and a de facto chairman of 
FC didn't. Okay, that's a that's. I'm not even. I'm not even going to try that one. That's a word on the screen here that's about four inches long. I'm not even going to try that. In 2019, Kolomoisky was included in the list of one of the most. Uh, excuse me, in the list of the 100 most influential Ukrainians by Focus Magazine, taking third place. He's also the co-owner of something called Privat Bank. That's a private bank. Now, if you're going to front money to a Ukrainian oligarch, where will they hide the money? Well, the best way to do that would be in their own bank, right? Of course. Kolomoisky also holds three citizenships. He's a citizen of Ukraine, first and foremost. He's also an Israeli citizen, and he also he also holds his, uh, a passport from Cyprus. And I believe that bank was located in Latvia. I'm not sure how that ties into that, but uh, I, apparently they have some, if I understand it correctly, that's where it was. It's been a while since we looked at that stuff, but Latvia, I think, is where they put the bank because they have this, this way about themselves in Latvia where they just look the other way. You know, they, they just kind of, oh, look, you, you have a bank here. Okay, thanks for putting it here. We appreciate it. We're not going to charge too much of a commission fee, but well, you know, if if you want to do business here, well, then we have to take a small transaction fee for ourselves for offering our services to you, right? That's called money laundering. So if you set up an organization, you set up an organized crime network in Ukraine, and then you front the money to an oligarch who sits on the board of an energy company who also owns his own private bank in another country that has another money laundering operation that runs it through a shell company, you're washing your money, aren't you? You're putting in a quarter that's dirty and you're getting a dollar out on the other side that's clean. This wasn't the only country that was involved with this. The United States was involved with a lot of Western powers in laundering their money through Ukraine. So what does this have to do with what's going on in Ukraine? We're getting to that. When we saw that $4 billion disappeared back during the Obama administration, we were only theorizing where that money could have gone. We knew that a lot of arms shipments were taking place in Ukraine thereafter. A lot of arms shipments. If you're going to front money to an oligarch that's going to launder it, and is going to be involved in some nefarious things on the side because he's already involved in some nefarious things up front anyway, what's to stop them from building a private army? Which is what we suspected that the Obama administration was doing. They were building a private army in Ukraine. But after he left office, when Trump took over, which wasn't supposed to happen, by the way, the entire network was set up for Hillary. I honestly believe, and I'm not the only one thinking this, there's many people in the intelligence community now including Jack Posobiec, that are of the same opinion. I honestly think that Putin would have gone into Ukraine if Trump wasn't in office. Just my opinion. Because Trump exposed what was going on in Ukraine, or at least he started to. You remember they tried to impeach him over the phone call? Wasn't his guilt. Believe me, I think he's got a lot to answer for, but that wasn't his guilt. It was the guilt of the people that we're sitting here discussing. And the Podestas are involved, the Clintons are involved, the Obama administration's involved, the Bidens are involved. Everybody's involved here. All their hands are dirty. All of them. But creating a private army, for what purpose? At the time, we had no idea. We had no clue. We were, again, we were just theorizing. But then it got me to thinking, well, what if they were going to use that private army to menace the Russians? How do I come to that conclusion? I'm thinking the people that were involved with the Obama administration, namely Zbigniew Brzezinski. What did Brzezinski do? You have to go back to the Carter administration to understand what Zbigniew Brzezinski did during the Carter administration. As a national security advisor under Jimmy Carter, Brzezinski was involved with a ragtag group out of Afghanistan called the Mujahideen. Who were they? They were a group run by a guy named Osama bin Laden. Ever heard of him? Brzezinski armed that group, and he used them to menace 
and fight Soviet forces in Afghanistan. In Brzezinski's mind, he aided in the collapse of the Soviet Union. What was to stop him from doing that again? It only makes sense to create another private army somewhere else, right on Russia's doorstep, and to menace them right underneath half of a population that are native-speaking Russians already, that Putin had an interest in trying to reclaim, which he's now done, namely Crimea and areas of Donbass. And of course, now you've got separate territories. You've got uh, Luhansk and Donetsk. After Obama left office, as getting back to that point, after Obama left office, that private army disappeared. We lost track of it. We never knew what happened with it. And I remember what, maybe about a year and a half, two years ago, I remember asking you, Bruce, just out of the blue, I said, hey, do you remember that private army that that oligarch in Ukraine, they were, they were funding that private army he created? I said, where did that go? Where did it go? It just disappeared. How do you lose a private army like that? $4 billion, that might not be a lot of money, here in the West, when we're throwing around all kinds of trillions and whatever, it might not be a lot of money. But in a place like Ukraine, that's a lot of money. You can buy a lot of military hardware for $4 billion in a place like Ukraine. You can buy a lot of tanks. You can buy a lot of artillery. You can buy a lot of troop transports. You can get a lot of new soldiers with that kind of money. I mean, you can buy a slightly used, what is it, T-74? Is that what it is? I believe uh, so. Yeah. Russian tank for 400000 USD. There you go. There you go. Enter the Azov Battalion. Bruce, do you have a backstory on the Azov Battalion just off the top of your head before I get to this this piece out of I've got I've got some some information here out of the Azov Battalion from Russian state media and our side of the camp, as in the western side of the camp. So we'll go over both of those. Do you have a do you have a backstory off the top of your head about uh, where this group came from? Because I think we might have found our private army. Uh, well, they um, other than the fact that they're neo Nazis. They also came from this billions of dollars that just disappeared. They came to power about 2014, 2015, somewhere in there, or came to power. They, they rose up. They, they came into existence about that time. And who was president of the United States at that time? Yeah, that would, that, would have been, that would have been Obama at that time. Fun fact about that organization. This was tweeted yesterday by Jack Posobiec. Ihor Kolomoisky is the Ukrainian oligarch who reportedly finances the Azov Battalion. A group that's accused of civilian execution and torture in Donbass. Huh. That, that sounds sounds awful coincidental, doesn't it? Doesn't it just a little bit? In fact, up until February 26th, the group was banned on Facebook. They'd established a Facebook page and a group and everything else, but they were banned and they were placed on their tier one blacklist of groups alongside ISIS and the Ku Klux Klan. So they were designated more or less a neo-Nazi outfit because they kind of all align with the same type of attitude, don't they? Same type of beliefs. Well, funny. On February 26th, what's interesting about that date, they took them off the list. So what, you're a neo-Nazi organization one day and the next day you're not? How does that work? They have allowed, this is Facebook, the platform will reportedly temporarily allow praise for the neo-Nazi Azov Battalion for their role in defending Ukraine. That's out of the London Intercept. The battalion. By the of way, Ukraine. yeah, go on. Uh, I just want to. I want to throw this out real quick. Donbass yep. that you're talking uh -huh. about. Uh -huh. That's southeastern Ukraine. For those uh -huh. that aren't good with the geography. Okay, so just north of Crimea. Just north of Crimea. Yeah. Uh huh. Okay. Where a lot of that shelling has been taking place over the last few years shall we say. It's been longer than that, but yeah. The Battalion of Ukraine's National Guard will still not be allowed to use 
Facebook for recruitment or statements, but yet they're no longer banned? See, you, you can't just place somebody in that group one day and then the next day they're not. Oh, would they have a come to Jesus moment? It doesn't fit the agenda. They need the dialectic. They need the agenda. They need you to choose a side. So they open it up. I'm still waiting for the day when they say, oh, ISIS, they're, they're a great organization. Now, hell, we had the White House. We had Jen Psaki, the Raggedy Ann doll, the, the whatever the hell she is. She was up there saying that the Taliban are reformed. They're businesslike yeah, and professional. Yeah, that's what I was going to point to right there is we don't have to worry about them doing uh, jumping on board with ISIS anymore because they jumped on board with the Taliban. The, yeah. the original terrorist group that we were going after uh, in, the, in the early days of the Iraq and Afghanistan war. Now, I know that, again, we're we're just pointing out things. Now, like I said, there's a lot of propaganda on both sides. But to be honest, I mean, there's a lot of photos that are floating around. But uh, Bruce, does that look pretty clear cut to you? Yeah. Looking into the, uh, uh, what was it, Azov? Azov Battalion, yeah. Yeah, Azov Battalion. Uh, looking into them, yeah, we did see a lot of um, swastikas or um, their actual insignia is, um, I forget the name of it because it's in German. It's like Vol something, I don't remember, uh, the, the, the Z shape that they have. It was the name of the Z with the line through it. And then the... Um, the Black Sun as well, which are both neo-Nazi. Basically, it's uh, it's their version of a swastika, is what it is. They call it the, uh, uh, the Wolf's Angel. Uh, yeah, that's is, it. Is their logo? Yeah, uh, that's that's what it is. Uh, but anyway, that's that was the uh, the original symbol that was used by the Second uh, SS Panzer Division during the uh, the Nazi uh, Nazi reign in Germany. But again, we're allowing them on the platform because yesterday they're a they're a neo-Nazi organization. Today they're not because they said so. They're allowed back on the platform, but they're not allowed to recruit. And they're not allowed to make statements. So because we have to follow the political agenda, then that's what we have to follow. Bruce, you pointed it out before we started. You said it's Marxists fighting Marxists. It's always that. It's always that. It's always Marxists fighting Marxists. It's the dialectic. Stalin was fighting Trotsky. Hitler was fighting Talman. It's always Marxists fighting Marxists. It's always that way. In the great power struggles of the 20th century, that's what you saw. Marxism fighting Marxism. When Hitler was attacking the West, when he pushed all the way over to the English Channel and he started bombing the UK, a lot of his top military brass was saying, what, what are you doing? What, what are you doing? OK, we took back the territory that we lost under the Treaty of Versailles. OK, we, we've, we've gotten our, our pride back from that. We understand that. We were for that. But we're bombing the West. Why, why are we bombing the West? Why are we bombing England? That's not our enemy. Our enemy's Bolshevism. It's Marxists fighting Marxists. It's always that. Their enemy was Bolshevism under Stalin. That's why Operation Barbarossa took place. They wanted to attack the Soviets. And this is the same case again, isn't it? You don't have neo-Nazis here in the West like they want. So they have to go somewhere where they have them. Then it gives them the dialectic they need. Remember, the Great Reset at its base for us, the peasants, the barefoot peasants, for us, the little people, it's Marxism for us. Marxism is the method of control. This is why Schwab has a bust of Lenin in his office, in my opinion. Marxism is the system of control. Same thing with the Chinese Communist Party. Marxism is the system of control for the population, not for the party. The party lives like lavish pigs like these people do down in Davos. They're above all that. They're exempt, just like the Soviets. Do you remember the interview we played with Yuri Bezmenov back in the 80s? He was a high up propaganda guy with the KGB. He says, I'm living a life of luxury. Why would I want to give this up? 
What right-thinking person would want to give that up? And when it came down to the revolutions that they were funding in Central Africa, what happened to the Marxists that they funded? Well, another Marxist rose up and killed that Marxist because he was more Marxist than the other Marxist. That's just how it works. It's always this dialectic. That's all they know. Marxism is a disease. I'll put it out there. It's a mental illness. It doesn't work. It's a sick death cult of an ideology. That's all it is. That's all it's ever been. That's what it will always be. All right, uh, we're, we're out of time. Uh, do you have any points you want to make? I, I just want to point out again that, um, you know, I thought we defeated all of this back in the day. You know, whole Nazism, you know, fascism, communism, all that kind of stuff. But huh, here we are again. Uh, it's rearing its ugly head yet again. Another generation. And the thing is, is um, this isn't going to be the last war that we fight against this uh, because the generation, my generation, the generation after us, we've all, all been exposed and indoctrinated into uh, communism or the lines of thinking of, uh, I wouldn't say communism here in the West. I would say communo-fascism. It's a, it's a mix of communism and fascism. Wokeism. Uh, but yeah, the, the wokeism. Yeah, exactly. So it's going to it's going to take some work here in the West to get rid of this, this cancer. Uh, and, and the thing is, is you can't rely on you can't rely on the politicians. There's only a handful of politicians that are actually trying to do something. I was seeing that. Uh, what was it? Rick Scott, I think is what his name is. He's, He's governor, standing up. Uh, yeah, he was standing up. Let's see if I find it real quick. Just uh, uh, blah, 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 blah. Is he, is he, I thought he was, uh, is he not a senator? Yeah, he's uh, a senator. Rick okay, I, was, I thought he was a governor, but all right. He might have been governor at one point. But anyway, uh, he rose up and has said, um, I'm going to go after the uh, COVID cult and I'm going to go after, or, you know, he's had a whole list of things he's going to go after. And the GOP was bashing him because of that. They were trying to throw him under the bus for standing up and having all these things that he's standing for. And you know what? When you go through his agenda, that is the kind of politician we need. We need more of those. Anyway, all that to say, um, I know we're we're running on time. That's the kind of change we need in 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 terms of politicians and whatnot. We we need people that'll stand up against this. It, really, authoritarianism, feudalism. I mean, this is this is not progressivism where they 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 keep following the whole idea of what well, we're trying to progress the human race or whatever the hell they try to argue it's it's progressing us back into slavery it's not the, the idea of america the idea of freedom and liberty that is progressive that is new that is unique in history uh not this communism or fascism or any of these other marxist ideas they're all the same as the times before this it, it's just leading back into tribalism and feudalism. It's it's no different. So yeah, continue to uh, stand up in your own, you know, small communities. It, it's a small community first, uh, or your community, whatever it is, big or small. That's where it starts. Well, it starts at the home and then the communities. But I imagine if you're uh, listening to us, then you probably are already doing that at the home level at least. Uh, so yeah, just continue to stand. Government's bad. You forgot him, Kay. I, I think we all... I think we all are in agreement now that yeah, the government is uh, a problem. It's a problem. It's a big problem. 
Uh, no, very well said, sir. So we're going to uh, we're going to end the week on that one. So um, we will be back on the exclusive tomorrow for all of our Telegram subscribers. Hope to see you there. Uh, if you're not subscribed to us on Telegram, while the platform's available, I would get it downloaded and installed. If you have an Android phone, you can always sideload it. But uh, <laughs> they're banning Russian stuff. They're banning Russian cats. They're banning anything that's involved with with Russia. So um, I would uh, I would get over there and uh, and get that app downloaded and uh, give us a follow when you get over there. Just type in the search bar at Dynamic INDP. We'll pop right up or public channel. You can just click join. Uh, you'll get access to all the videos, the photos, uh, the comments, the news stories, and all the exclusive podcasts and all of our daily podcasts we put out every day. Thank you for being here today, Bruce. Thank you to all of the listeners. We'll see those of you who are subscribed to us on Telegram tomorrow. For everyone else, have a great weekend, and we will see you on Monday. <laughs>